Welcome to Entrust Engage, an open forum for the most innovative leaders in security technology. I'm Samantha Maybe. On today's episode, we're going to dig into the topic of quantum computing and what's being done and should be done to prepare for a post-quantum world. I'm joined today by my colleague, Greg Wetmore, Vice President of Software Development at Entrust. Thank you so much for joining me today, Greg. Well, thanks for the invitation, Samantha, and uh, thanks for choosing such an interesting topic today. Yeah, of course. So yeah, the topic of quantum computing, it's a big one and an important one, and I think something that not everyone understands. So I appreciate you taking the time to share your expertise around it. Um, And I think a good starting place is to get a better understanding of quantum computers. So if you don't mind taking us through that, what exactly they are and how they differ from traditional computers. Sure. So I probably goes without saying traditional computers are all around us um, and not only in sort of the what you might think of first your smartphone or your laptop, but in just about every electronic equipment or machine you interact with as part of your life, there's a computer chip in that. Um, computer chips are made of silicon and they operate on binary data or ones and zeros um, that we call bits. Um, and in, in contrast to that, a quantum computer uses and operates on a totally different uh, physical property called quantum mechanics. Uh, quantum mechanics or quantum theory is a branch of physics that describes how atoms or molecules interact at a subatomic level. And it's the nature of these quantum interactions that allow a quantum computer to solve certain kinds of problems incredibly quickly, in fact, exponentially faster than a classic computer can. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's great. And actually, in our space, we often hear people talking about the threats that are associated with quantum computers, you know, once they're realized. And I've been lucky enough to hear you speak on this topic before. And I do like how you position it, where you also discuss the opportunities that they'll bring. And if you can, I'd love for you to give a breakdown of what those opportunities are, um, along with the threats and what they'll mean, both from, you know, a broad level, as well as uh, when it comes down to digital security. You know, I think that's exactly the right way to think about it, Samantha. Um, quantum computers do represent an, an opportunity and a threat. Um, I think there's no doubt that quantum computers are an incredible technological advancement. Um, we anticipate that quantum computers will be valuable tools to advance fields like you know, biomedical research or pharmaceutical research, material science, machine learning. It's that uh, quantum mechanical model that Uh, quantum computers operate on that allows them to model physical systems so well. Um, But it also happens that we've proven that quantum computers can can break the complex mathematical problems that uh, underlie today's public key cryptographic systems. Uh, And by that, I mean to uh, the RSA and elliptic curve um, algorithms that public key cryptography is built on. Now, public key cryptography really is a critical part of our digital lives. It's, mm-hmm. it's sort of all around us. It, it's one of the technologies that allows us to um, perform secure transactions online or prove who we are online. Um, public key cryptography allows us to keep data confidential using encryption. It allows us to prove our identity or to ensure that data retains its integrity or isn't modified. That's digital signature. So, before quantum computers get big enough and powerful enough to to break this public key cryptographic systems, we're going to have to transition to what's called quantum safe or post-quantum cryptographic systems. 
Yeah, I've heard it referenced before that, uh, you know, we do rely on this cryptography for everything and that quantum computers really sort of marks that golden, the end of the golden age of crypto as we know it today. Yeah, we, you know, when RSA was was first sort of publicly invented, um, it, it really initiated that golden age where um, mm -hmm. cryptography can, could be used in a very general purpose way uh, in our digital lives. Um, Keys are small. It's easy to implement, well understood, provably secure, um, and and quantum computers do represent a threat to that, as you put it, that golden age of, of mm -hmm. cryptography. Yeah, and I know that there are varying opinions out there on the timeline of the threat and when quantum computers will be realized. But from what I've seen, including a report I read from the Global Risk Institute, most seem to agree that it'll be within the decade. Uh, do you think that's correct or does that align with what you know? Yeah, I mean, predicting the timeline here does require an element of, of clairvoyance or, or being able <laughs> to see the future. Um, yeah. But it, you know, when you pull sort of leading researchers and experts um, you start to get pretty broad consensus across across that group when you talk about the 10 to 15 year time horizon. Um, we are seeing, you know, ongoing advancement in in quantum computers from some uh, some of the biggest technology companies in the world, like IBM and Google and Microsoft. Um, and you know, his, history has shown us that uh, advancements in computing happen happen quickly and happen somewhat continuously. So it's Mm -hmm. um, I think definitely prudent to be thinking that this field will continue to advance and, and does represent a real threat to our uh, cryptographic systems today. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing about technology is that it's unpredictable and does move sometimes a little bit faster than we can expect and anticipate. So I have a bit of a two-pronged question here for you as well. From a marker perspective, I understand that most are waiting for NIST to set the standards, which will then be adopted by others. And I also know there's a NIST competition going on. So can you tell us a little bit about what's happening there in, in both of those? Yeah, so, so NIST is a United States-based organization. Jim, they have historically been one of the organizations that have led the standardization effort around cryptographic algorithms. In 2016, NIST, NIST initiated a... Uh, post-quantum crypto competition, really, where they solicited from the world's leading researchers and mathematicians and scientists um, cryptographic systems that we could prove were resistant to quantum computer, resistant to attacks from quantum computers. And uh, in July of 2020, they announced what they called their third round finalists. So that's a set of algorithms that had been through a number of review iterations and had been selected for what they called their third round finalists. Now, NIST is, is, uh, has said they're operating towards a 2024 deadline for standardization, but it, it's important, I think, to understand that that competition is now fairly far along, and we do have um, some good candidate algorithms that have been analyzed and have uh, are starting to become well understood and, and are uh, available to start you know, using and prototyping with and um, implementing in, in our security systems. And just a little bit of background on those algorithms that they're looking at. Can you just sort of give a just a slight overview of, of what they are, what's different about them? Yeah, so I'll admit I'm not a mathematician or a cryptographer, <laughs> um, so I'm not going to get into that that part of it. But um, I can describe that they're 
uh, these algorithms are based on totally different kinds of mathematical structures um, mm -hmm. compared with uh, RSA and elliptic curve. And it's those different math mathematical structures that we can um, sort of prove and show uh, are resistant to the kinds of things quantum computers are really good at solving. And I think it's, it's also useful to understand how different post-quantum cryptography is from traditional or classical public key cryptography. And the properties that have made RSA, you talked about the golden age, so useful and ubiquitous, small mm -hmm. keys, easy to implement, relatively high performance fast. Um, we see it with some of these post-quantum algorithms, a real difference um, in some of those uh, properties. Uh, keys can be very large, potentially. Um, algorithms could be very slow or key generations very slow. Um, so it really does point at needing to select the right post-quantum algorithm for the application that you're building uh, and potentially have to design for some of these more challenging attributes of, of post-quantum crypto algorithms. Yeah, that makes sense. There's a trade-off there for sure. Now, from a business perspective, so potentially for anyone who might be listening to this, what they should make note of, what should companies be doing to prepare for that post-quantum world? Well, I, I think it's important to, to take the view that to don't wait, um, take action now. Uh, mm -hmm. Many companies, in fact, you, I could say most companies have data or systems or products um, that they would like to uh, have secure for longer than that 10-year period. Uh, the other thing that we know is cryptographic transitions are hard. Um, we've done this before. We've done SHA-1 to SHA-2 transition. We've done RSA to elliptic curve transitions. And those took years. Uh, mm -hmm. And it took a lot of hard work from uh, software vendors and system vendors and IT professionals to figure out where system compatibility issues were and deploy new systems and capabilities and test those. So we And we know that this transition from classic public key crypto to post-quantum is going to be harder than those previous transitions we've done. I talked about some of the challenging aspects of post-quantum crypto, size and performance. Those things are going to require more effort, more testing, more compatibility than the previous transitions. So it is important not to wait to start now, take action now. Yeah, that SHA-1 to SHA-2 comparison, I've heard that a lot before. And this apparently just doesn't even compare to, to the amount of time that that might take. I assume also organizations just, you know, we're talking about the algorithms and post-quantum cryptography. I imagine, you know, doing um, an inventory on your crypto or even on your technology that you have in place today uh, is probably pretty critical to navigating to that sort of post-quantum world as well. Yes, starting a program to prepare for this transition is exactly the thing I advocate uh, for customers I talk to. Uh, and inventorying your um, systems is definitely one of those. I sort of have a four-step um, program I'm advising my customers to, to think about. And the first one is inventorying their critical data and their critical systems, understanding the business value of that data, understanding the lifespan. The second thing is inventorying their cryptographic assets, certificates, keys, secrets, mm -hmm. cryptographic algorithms. Third piece of advice I give is, is to have um, organizations talk to their security vendors. Um, you should be able to have a conversation today with your security vendors about their post-quantum strategy and their roadmaps. Uh, and the fourth is really start thinking about, you know, after you've got a sense of where the most important data is in your organization and where the cryptographic assets are, 
think about you know proof of concept or interop testing or performance testing, working with your vendors on some of their sort of leading edge PQ capabilities um, to start identifying the areas in your organization that will be um, difficult or or just most important to start with as you think about the transition to post quantum. Mm-hmm. And as far as the timing goes, I mean, even with the threat potentially being a decade away or within the decade, I understand that there are a lot of industries already like government and critical infrastructure and healthcare that are well underway with their post-quantum strategies and planning Uh, outside of those industries. Would you say the time is also now for other organizations and industries to be looking at this? And you mentioned, you know, talking to their vendors about this. Um, The time I assume is probably now, especially just not knowing the amount of time that it might take to to implement a strategy as well as when this threat is realized. Yeah, that's right. We, we certainly see um, industries or verticals that are traditionally dealing with highly valuable data that needs to have a long lifespan from a security point of view. You talked about you know, financial institutions and governments. Those are two that come to mind. And we're certainly mm-hmm. having pretty detailed conversation with our customers in those verticals about PQ. Um, But I go right back to some of the advice we just talked about, Samantha, that um, really just about every organization has valuable data or systems or products that they're building where security is an important uh, factor in, in, in the design of those things. And we know this transition from classic public key crypto to post quantum is going to be difficult. It's going to require planning. Um, and is going to take years to get right. Um, and so that's that's really the root of my ultimate advice, which is don't wait to, to take action to start building a program to prepare for this transition now. Right? And I think mm-hmm. that applies to just about every um, industry or, or organization. Mm-hmm. And I think there's conversations out there as well about you know there being bad actors who are harvesting data now to crack later once quantum computers are realized. So I think that that's also part of just being proactive uh, with this consideration. Yeah, it's something that um, perhaps some some don't think about is that concept of collecting encrypted or secure data now that you know you can't break now, but that mm-hmm. uh, you hold that data knowing that it has value long-term and wait for uh, technological advancements such that at some point you'll be able to, to break that data. I think that's why we're seeing some of the first um, sort of interoperable PQ protocols are things like uh, TLS and uh, post-quantum key exchange, which are part of the secure communication technology that underlies just about all the information that moves over the internet, for instance, today. Yeah, I think this is, uh, again, it's just such an interesting topic and it will be interesting to watch as this evolution happens and see what different industries do, what different uh, organizations, vendors do. And I think you mentioned NIST has that 2024 deadline. So that'll be uh, great to watch and sort of see, you know, what they what they come to at the end of their competition. Yeah, that's right. And that 2024 deadline really represents when we're hoping to see draft standards. But um, mm-hmm. We are fairly far along. I, I talked about the progress since 2016. Um, we do have implementations of quantum-resistant resi- cryptographic algorithms available today uh, that can get built into security systems and secure applications. 
That's wonderful. So yeah, the time to test is now, the time to build the strategy is now. And uh, I feel like that's probably a key takeaway from this. At that, I'll just thank you so much, Greg, for your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. And just sort of breaking down what, uh, for some, including myself, can be a pretty complex topic, but is is definitely very interesting and super important for sure to just, you know, be aware of and to understand what needs to be done to prepare for that post-quantum world. So I really appreciate you taking the time today to join me. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Samantha. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. And that's it for today's podcast. So keep up with uh, new episodes by following us on LinkedIn and Twitter using the links in the episode description. Thanks for listening to Untrust Engage. Engage.